My name is Justin Zolkowski, and you're listening to Random Babbling, Confessions of a Christian Libertarian. Tima Tova, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. Today we have a pack list of things to go over. Yom Kippur, national identity, and the taking a knee controversy in the NFL. And I will try to tie them all together. Before we get started, I just want to thank all of you who are constantly checking the Random Babbling Facebook page. Uh, I know it's been a very long time since I've put any content up there, especially a podcast, and I just want to thank you all for your uh, undying devotion and constant checking up on me. And um, yeah, sorry it's taking so long to get back. And also, we're going to try a new format today instead of reading from a script. I hope I don't sound like a robot, but we're going to go a little more natural. We're going to go off outline outline instead so let's get right into it what is yom kippur yom kippur is a jewish holiday obviously but it's the day of atonement why why do jewish people celebrate atonement well if you read genesis just like christians do we know that man has separated himself from god And therefore, he has sinned. And the Jewish culture, the religion, realizes this sin, and it realizes that the sin separates them from God. And so they take a day to uh, observe that and to honor the atonement that happens between God and man. Um, If you read Leviticus 16.29 and 23.29, 27, it commands fasting on the seventh month on the tenth day. Obviously, their calendar back then was a little different than it is today. But how is it celebrated today? Well, it's fasting, as we mentioned before, uh, but also uh, no wearing of leather shoes. So put your penny loafers away. Uh, No bathing or washing. No anointing oneself with perfumes or lotions, and no marital relations. Thank God I'm a Protestant. Okay. So, we look at this old, uh, very old, ancient holiday, and we understand the importance, but why is it important today? Why should Christians care? Well, the first thing is we celebrate substitutional atonement. That's a big concept. What it means basically is that we couldn't atone for our sin there's nothing we could do there's nothing we can give god that could make us right with him and reconcile him so he had to send someone as our substitution that substitution is jesus and through his death and resurrection we are reconciled with the father uh we read second corinthians 521 For our sake he made him to be sin who had no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so 
what we can gather between looking at Yom Kippur and this idea of substitutional atonement is one, God's sovereignty. He is in control of all things. He sees all things. He connects all things. And in his constancy, he's consistent. He's the same he was back then as he is today. And so by giving this day of atonement, he's actually uh, showing us a precursor to the atonement that's actually going to happen. Now, if, if you're a Christian, you may read the Old Testament and you wonder how it, how it uh, applies to you today. Uh, I was always told that um, the Old Testament points to Christ and the New Testament, the Old Testament points to Christ and the New Testament points back to Christ. So when you read something in the Old Testament, chances are it's prophesying something about Jesus in the New Testament. So this is why Yom Kippur should be, it should be, uh, I don't want to say observed as we're celebrating, but it should be important to us. Actually, every day we should really take uh, time to really feel the weight of what atonement really is. And so we're going to try to connect that with something that seems a little uh, out of left field, and that's national identity. Now, Israel, back in the Old Testament, did have a national identity. Uh, they had, uh, in uh, after Moses led them out of the Promised Land, he uh, was... Well, let's go back even further. Abraham is called out of Ur. And God just tells him, Hey, I'm going to start a people group from you and the world will be blessed. And Abraham, not knowing anything, just gets up and moves. And he follows God. Through his bloodline, we see Jacob, which was his grandson he would also be called Israel. He had 12 sons. Those are the tribes of Israel. And through this family, through this bloodline, a nation forms. And because of this family, we have the Messiah. See, Jesus comes out of this national identity that was started with one family. So, what does this have to do with us today? The big question is, you know, let's ask a dumb question. Does America have a national identity? This is very interesting because when we first started, we were actually colonies that separated from the separated from the British Empire. And we didn't really call ourselves Americans until we wanted that freedom from the British. And if you really read uh, things like the Constitution and early um, papers, there was a sense of patriotism, but I don't know if it was necessarily towards a national identity. Being American for being American, I think it's more of a 
love and a desire for the freedoms that are uh, granted to us. Actually, not granted to us. The rights are granted to us by God. The Constitution protects those rights that are given to us by God from the government. That's that's what's really different about our Constitution versus a lot of other uh, constitutions across the globe is that our Constitution limits the government and it tells the government what it can and can't do. It doesn't really tell the citizen what it can, can't do. And so I find it really odd that, well, I don't find it odd that there is national identity in the United States. Not at all. But what I find odd is the level of American national identity with Christians. Christians tend to be very patriotic. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong. But it's really odd with this conservative conservative political culture with Christianity. And obviously if you read um, the Bible and you know what it asks asks of Christians how to live, it is very conservative. But the marriage between political conservatism and Christianity didn't happen until the Reagan administration, really. Reagan found a way to marry the GOP with, uh, with conservative Christianity. And it's a bond that's happened, that's lasted not happened, but lasted for the last 30 plus years. Uh, a lot of people thought that the tie between conservatism and Christianity would have died when Mitt Romney lost the 2012 election, but it's actually f still um, shown prevalent in this last election in 2016. And so my new question is, should Christians have a national identity? I'm going to go ahead and answer this first and then give some some thoughts afterward. I don't think it's wrong for Christians to be happy or even a little bit proud of where they're from or where they live or the people group that they come from. I don't think that's wrong at all, but... What is your identity? What is your actual identity? Is your actual identity being American? Or is it in your faith? And, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians that we become a new creation. And so a new creation is a new identity. Because... We are no longer who we were before. Before I am saved, I am I'm different. I don't want to know the things of God. I don't love the things of God. And when I am made new, I all of a sudden I do. And 
we read in Ephesians 1 5, he produced he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose of will. This is big. This is big because we have a new family. What we also have to realize, though, is this world, this physical world, is not our home. John fifteen nineteen uh, has a passage from Jesus in which he says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So, here's, here's, here's a question now, is, are we supposed to love this country of ours, which obviously has Judeo-Christian roots, but is of the world? You have to remember, everything here is temporary. Everything is temporary apart from the grace of God. So this physical world, where you stand, where you sit right now, one day will be gone. It'll perish. And I'm not saying do not take care of it. Do not get involved. Do not have a love for those in it but what i am saying is that this will pass and we have bigger more important things in the horizon and so even though we can have love for things and i use that word love very loosely this is not our final stop if you call yourself a christian your final stop is in heaven and I'm going to flat out say it. The United States is not a Christian country. I know that's going to offend a lot of people by me saying that so blatantly. But you have to realize that even though there's a lot of gospel-centered ideas within the finding of this, uh, when the founders started this great nation of ours. I'll say it's great. That's not I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that this nation is great, but it's not perfect, obviously. It's it's on this physical planet. Nothing here is perfect. But a lot of the founding fathers weren't Christian. Um if you look two two of the biggest examples are Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. Benjamin Franklin they were both deists. As a matter of fact uh, Thomas Jefferson, while he was in while he was in office as president of the United States, took the Gospels and he cut out physically cut out parts that he thought were too far fetched, and it's colloquially known as the Thomas Jefferson Bible. He loved the uh, teachings of Jesus, but he didn't believe in the miracles or his divinity. And he's a huge, huge piece of the puzzle of how this country got started. So, 
what does this have to do with the NFL? Now, this has gotten a lot of buzz over the, over recent uh, weeks. Uh, actually, it gets attention every football season, or I should say the past two football seasons. And um, I think it's worth looking at in context of what I've already been talking about. And it all started with Colin Kaepernick. He takes a knee to protest uh, the mistreatment of African Americans in in the United States. And um, mainly uh, when it comes to law enforcement. So the question now is, well, it's not a question. He does have the freedom of speech and peaceful protest. And he's, he's using them both to the fullest. He's got the, one of the biggest stages there are, um, that there is in America, the National Football League. I mean, come on. This is a company who basically owns Sunday after church. I love football. I'm sure a lot of you who are listening love football. And we see this and a lot of people are buzzing over it because you have one group that says they uh, they support him, Colin Ka- Kaepernick, and now the rest of the NFL players who decided to join in, I mean, give the guy credit, even if you do or don't agree with what he's doing and how he's going about it, he was alone for a while. And now all of a sudden, more and more NFL players are jumping on, I don't want to call it a bandwagon, but they're jumping uh, on the cause. And he's... He, he has no job now. Now, is that be because he's drawn so much attention to himself because of the knee? Or is he not as good as we thought he was? That's a separate issue. That's a separate talk. We're going to stick with the actual niche issue of taking the knee. And so he's using his freedom of speech in protest. Now, the, the question is not whether or not the NFL players have a political or a government right to do so. That is obvious in the writing and rulings of the Supreme Court and the writing of the Constitution. But do they have a right to do it at the game? Now, even though it doesn't seem like it, these people are still employees. They still have a boss. They still get a paycheck and there's still certain rules that they have to follow that are both laid out by the National Football League and by whatever team that they're playing for. And so does the National Football League have to allow them to do this on company time. 
Now, I know that if I did something that my company didn't agree with on their time, then that could be grounds for, for dismissal. So does the NFL have to allow these players to protest? And the short answer is no. The NFL is a company. It does have its self-interest that it may or may want to uh, preserve. But if the NFL or if any of these NFL teams wants to make a rule that the players should stand or must stand during the national anthem, then that is a prerogative. But here's the thing. The NFL is not punishing these players for taking a knee. And so now we get to another dilemma about... It's the it's the old convictions versus paycheck kind of situation. If you are an NFL player, especially if you are of African American descent, and you believe strongly in this cause, are you willing to risk your job and your paycheck? It's a very tough question, especially since jobs like this don't come around very often. And that there's a million people who want that job. And so, say what you want to say about the uh, merit or the uh, morality of what they are doing. These players are still taking a risk. But this is odd, too. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that the players weren't even on the field during the National Anthem until uh, 2009, and they were trying to boost uh, recruitment. Um, they were The Army National Guard and the Department of Justice was paying the NFL to have the players out on the field during the National Anthem. So I honestly think when you're making an opinion, you really have to factor that. Now, Trump is getting involved and he's making these comments, calling people SOBs because of doing that. And I'm wondering why he's making such a big deal. What does the President of the United States honestly care if people are standing or kneeling during the national anthem? And to be honest, I think there's two main reasons why he's doing this and you have to remember uh, I'm not 
a traditional conservative. I mean, I am conservative in some areas, but I, I'm not a Republican. I used to be. I uh, was a registered Republican up until 2009, and now I am a registered Libertarian. I did not vote for Trump. I did not vote for Hillary either, by the way. Uh, but I didn't vote for Trump, and I am actually a very uh, critical of him. And I think Trump, with this media circus over the NFL, I think he's trying to accomplish two things, and I think he's actually doing very well, Adam. And the first is the diversion from failure. Uh, this is one of the few presidents, it might, he might be the only president who hasn't had a honeymoon period, and that's a term that they use where the first hundred days or so, when people are, when someone is president, that basically he they have overall good uh, favor, um, you know, everything they touch is gold. Not so much with this guy. Uh, he's been very... Um, well, he's been media fodder since the very beginning. Uh, he's made a spectacle of himself during the primary. The 2016 GOP primary. He's made a spectacle of himself during the general election uh, season. And he continues to do so even after being elected. The guy can't stay off Twitter. He's always spouting off something. Uh, and most of the time, it's not very wise. And I think a big reason why he has drawn so much attention to the NFL and saying that there should be rules about the players is uh, just the failure that he's he's, he's had so far. Uh, I understand there's still a lot of time left of his first term, so he might be able to correct some of these, but let's take a look. Um, he did not repeal Obamacare. Okay, this, this should really... You should be really laughing at this because... You have what's called a unified government right now. That means both House and Senate, both seats, uh, houses of Congress are of the same party, and the President of the United States is the same party as those two houses. So things should be getting through really quickly, really fast, really efficiently, and is not. The whole GOP right now is in a disarray when it comes to repealing Obamacare. You know, when Trump care, when they tried to do Trump care, it seemed like it was even more convoluted than Obamacare. And Obamacare was, is, that was, the guy who wrote it didn't even understand it. And now you have something that's even more complicated coming from the party that champions free market. They champion free market and small government, yet they want to be just as involved as the Democrats do when it comes to health care. So that was a failure. Second, the biggest one I think so far is Charlottesville. And to be before I begin on this, I want to apologize for not saying anything on this program about that when it happened, because it was 
in modern history, it showed a very, very dark side of our culture. This guy constantly accused Obama of not calling radical Islam for what it was, yet he is unwilling to call out racism when it's so blatant. He's will he's not willing to call it out for what it is. The guy is it, that was just a classic case of pandering right there. The guy didn't want to piss off his base, so he's not calling out racism for what it was. Okay. I don't like Antifa either. I think those guys I'm not going to go I'm not going to I don't like Antifa. But I cannot be on the same side as guys waving Confederate and Nazi flags. I can't. That's just... No. I can't do it. And the fact that he's willing to say that there are some good people on that side, that's a far stretch. I mean, let's be realistic. If you see guys... With that kind of, uh, with those types of views, you might want to rethink what team you're on. And the guy really wasn't willing to call out what was so obvious. That was a failure. Uh, Let's look at North Korea. Okay, North Korea. Why he's getting in a... A hissy fit contest with this guy is beyond me. I mean, the guy doesn't even... Trump is arguing with someone with a country that can't even feed their own military. The military is so broke they can't afford to feed their own soldiers. And so now they ordered that those soldiers are allowed to steal from farmers. And I understand that Kim Jong-un has threatened the United States. I really do. But is this guy really a threat? And I want to lean toward no. Obviously, we have to have a strong national defense. But I don't think this guy is as big as a threat as they're making him out to be. And the guy, Trump, is willing to go toe-to-toe this guy for no reason. Let's face it, no reason, because he hasn't actually done anything. Now, if Kim Jong-un actually has done something, then yeah, let's go in there, steamroll him. But let's wait. Let's wait till something actually happens. I don't want another Iraq. And what about that wall? Hmm? This big, beautiful wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for. And now, they proposed, uh, you may have remember when I did a show about this, he proposed that we pay 
Uh, well, he actually uh, proposed that Mexico pay for export tax. So he's obviously not a uh, he's not obviously for free trade. So that means Mexico pays a tariff on our the exports we send to them, and you know darn good that they're going to pass that cost right on to us. Actually, I'm sorry, taxing imports from Mexico. That makes sense. Scratch what I said about the exports. They're putting tariffs on Mexican imports. So that nice six-pack of Corona that you might want is going to get a little more expensive because they're not going to foot the bill. They're going to somehow put it on us. So we're not paying for the wall. We're they're we're paying for the wall. They're not paying for the wall. And you know, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm just wondering what else he's hiding. What else is happening in that oval office of his now that he's trying to distract us? He's putting these uh, these stupid, ridiculous things in front of us. And I'm wondering, is there something bigger and badder that we have to be worrying about down the line? I don't know. But besides being a diversion from his failure, he's using nationalism to demonize his enemy. So now what he's saying is he knows that his base uh, will think one way about what's going on in the NFL and their protest. So he is pandering to the max to those guys. He really is. And he's now saying, oh, me, me, Republican, me, love America, Democrat, no love America. That's all he's doing. And so what he's doing is he's trying to make it seem like he loves America more than his opposition. And the truth is, is that you can love America and still protest in America. I think that's actually a sign that you love America is when you actually give a crap about something and you're willing to stand up and say something. Or in this case, they're taking a knee. But what he's done is instead of, you know having some civility, he's going straight for the throat. Trying to tell people that they don't love America and that there sh they should be standing and there should be a rule in the NFL. Honestly, what doesn't the President of the United States have anything better to do than to instruct the NFL on how to run their business? If you're really a conservative then you, as the president, should be staying out of private business as much as possible. And that includes telling the NFL how to do their job. Sure, if you have an opinion about something, you may be free to express it. But honestly, why are you trying to tell the NFL how to conduct business? As a matter of fact, for some of you who don't know, Donald Trump used to be involved in a rival football league called the USFL. And what they tried to do was have an alternative during the springtime. So it was the, if you think about it, 
the concept was awesome because you got foot year, football year-round. You didn't have to only have it in the fall. You could have fall and spring. But Donald Trump, who owned one of the teams, wasn't happy with that. And so he wanted to move football to the fall. And he sued the NFL for a monopoly over the airtime. And he won. A whole whopping $1. That was literally the fine that the NFL had to pay. Well, the check was actually 3 something But the court settlement was $1. And that crushed the USFL because they weren't as established as the NFL. Now they're in the same season. And they can't compete as far as ratings go. They don't have the same money. So thanks to Donald Trump, back then, remember this is the late 80s, we don't have football year-round. And now, he, I don't know if he still has something against the NFL. I hope not. But I just think it's kind of a funny coincidence that here he was leading the charge for the USFL against the NFL, and now he still is uh, has a beef with them. But if you want to know my opinion about this whole thing, I try to be a little sensitive. Because I understand that this country of ours took sacrifice. There's nothing free about freedom. And so there are people who have fought and died for the freedoms that we have. But we do have those freedoms. And if you see something that isn't right, you should have the moral obligation to say something. And I understand I don't always say something, and, you know, I have to repent of that. But these players are seeing something, or at least they're claiming to see something. And so I'm all in favor of their protest. But as far as these people who are saying boycott the NFL, don't want, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to watch my Rams. Okay. You're not going to stop me from watching, watching the Rams or watching the Super Bowl. Not going to happen. But if you want to go right ahead, that's, that's your prerogative. You don't want to watch NFL. Go right ahead. It really doesn't make a difference to me. I have bigger things to worry about. I got bills to pay. I'm sure you do too. But, you know, like, I'm not going to lose sleep at night because people are out there on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram or any other form of social media saying that they're offended by what's going on and that they're no longer going to watch football games. You want to do that? That's fine. Go right ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But don't stop me either. Don't call me un-American because I want to watch football. Don't get call me un-American because I'm not pissed off. Oh, I'm not pissed off. I don't care. 
it's not from a lack of respect either. I respect those who, you know, I used to wish my grandfather a happy Veterans Day every year. I understand that I'm not a veteran. I've never been in combat or in the service. So, uh, to those of you who have, I honestly and sincerely want to thank you. But let's not make this issue bigger than it already is. I'm not going to worry about millionaires who play a game insulting an identity that I don't have. Because my identity truly isn't in the United States. It's in Christ. And the only reason why my identity can be in Christ is because of the redemption that's happened. The atonement that I couldn't do, but the atonement that was made for me. Right now, I'll be posting the sound file and script on my blog. Check it out at justin-ski.blogspot.com. I hope to hear from you. And God bless.